What a day it's already been as we get in the car and head to Asheville. I can't really talk. My chest is all compressed. <laughs> we had a minor incident while setting up the car cast today. I, I thought Brett Redden, our longtime friend, the sports information director at Winthrop, was traveling with us yeah. to Asheville for this battle to host the Big South Conference Tournament. I, I didn't think he was a violent guy, but you, you almost uh, lost a uh, an important piece of your face on the way. It's important to note, we're taking the family vehicle. This is the car that my 11-year-old son usually travels in. And of course, as I almost take out the biker that... Yeah, the Tour de France is going on in my uh, complex today. Surprise <laughs> on the road. Yeah, so anyway... <laughs> my wife left me, moved in with a gay guy. No. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Brett finds one of the Nerf guns, but it's one of the new style Nerf guns, Dave. It's not like the long uh, pellet, it's the round. And so he starts like jacking this thing up and, and it accidentally it was, we had an accidental misfire I think I but, but it hit me square in the chest <laughs> we know that Brett was a former Winthrop soccer player and has followed Winthrop for a long long time I didn't know the way he got out his aggression yeah. was to pop you with a who knew but but you know what? It's our fault. We didn't have that. It's, it should have been securely locked. That's right. Should have been in, it should have been in the Nerf safe. You don't know people until you give them a yeah, gun and right. put them in the back seat of your car cast. How Talk about, about bite the hand that feeds you or drives you. <laughs> Lots of practice with that. Man, but, but what a day. Yeah. I mean, first place, the right to host the conference tournament. Winthrop, on four occasions in the past, has earned seed, meaning the team that wins the regular season championship, hosts the conference tournament. Four times Winthrop has won that, and they're 12-0 in those conference tournament games. They've won the championship each of those years, and Winthrop goes on the road to face co-first place Asheville today. The winner is 99.5% going to host the conference tournament. W what a what a entree to the appetizer that was this morning, USA <laughs> curling. Yes. And last night, USA women's hockey. I mean, w w what a day. Now, I'm not a huge fan of shootouts in championship games. I hate shootouts in championship Having games. Having said that, that was pretty exciting. That was awful. Atrocious. You can't end a major sporting event in a home run hitting contest. You don't go to a gimmick to end it. I hate the golden goal and I hate the shootout. I agree right, with everything I, you just said. I love the golden goal. I want you to play yeah. forever until there is a goal. Right. I hate the shootout. Having said that though, that was pretty exciting. Yeah, it's exciting, but you're you went to a skills competition. Right, right. You solved the winner of the World Series with a home run hitting contest. You solved the winner of the NBA Finals with a free throw or a three-point shooting contest. Instead of the Super Bowl two years ago going to overtime, you kicked field goals to decide who Brett, won. Right, they do the same thing in the World Cup, don't they? It doesn't make it right, though. Yeah, that's what they do. But it's stupid. I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't get why you would want to, and, and I've heard the argument before, that's what we've always done, it's tradition, it's stupid, it's a bad idea, it's not the way you end a sporting event. Who didn't want to continue watching those teams play right. to see who scored the magical game-winning goal? But having said that, it was pretty exciting. 
It was exciting. It was exciting for a short period of time when we could have watched the greatest right. drama in sports. Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals doesn't go to a shootout. They keep on hacking at it. And it gets later and later. People get more and more tired. The drama builds more and more. Don't end sporting events with gimmicks. That's stupid. If in the curling final yeah. this morning, the semi-final, the United States defeating Canada in the 10th end, they would have played an 11th end, a 12th end, right. a 13th end. They wouldn't have come up with an arbitrary way to figure it out. What would that be? To get like the red stone right in the middle of the, the, the I think center? it's whoever can lift as many stones. <laughs> they go to a weightlifting contest. Maybe that doesn't make like any a, sense. I think they should do like... No, here's what they should do. So for every round, right, so an extra time, you have to drink a beer. Well, it is curling. I mean, they, they asked Matt Hamilton, the uh, number two for the United States, what he was going to do to yeah. celebrate. And he very jokingly said, I think I'm going to get a blizzard. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, Did you see the guy, was it like two days ago? I, I think he was like the husband of one of the Canadian uh, female curlers. And he was like double fisted at 9 a.m. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it's curling. It's a lot like yeah. bowling. Like, it's, it's it's a drinking sport. But if you look at what the United States has achieved, obviously not a great curling yeah. country. The last two Olympics, they finished last and next to last. They have the same main guy, the same captain, yeah. John Schuster, who essentially was ostracized by USA Curling. They redid the qualifications so that they didn't have to go back to John Schuster. <laughs> and he made up his own team and said, I'll now compete with my guys using your rules, beat them, made it, and then got off to really a mediocre start in the round robin. Came alive, won their last three matches, got into the semifinals, and clocked Canada in the head. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty darn good. That's a Hollywood movie. It's it's incredible. I, I was trying to think of who... Does Vince Vaughn play uh, John Schuster? Yeah, exactly. I was trying to think of who the comparison is in sports, and I was trying to think of like a quarterback who's been really good outside of when it counts, outside yeah. of the playoffs, like an Alex Smith, but he's never advanced to the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship game or right. something like that because Schuster is one of the world's best curlers. Yeah. But he's been atrocious in the last two Olympics. Right. So he's really risen to the occasion. Now, the closest I could come up to was Gonzaga basketball coach Mark Few because uh -huh. he coaches a mid-major team right. that you don't really expect a ton out of. And he's built this incredible program. But, you know, they don't exactly, like, win national titles. They're right. just really good, and then they let you down in the NCAA tournament. But last year, they finally got over the hump, got into the Final Four, got to the national title game, lost the championship mm. game. That's where the U.S. is right now. Because they still have another match. They play yes, Sweden they still, right. for the championship. And oh, by the way, Sweden's a big favorite. They're the best team. Curling's awesome. What a great sport. Having said that, the shootout was pretty exciting. No, the shootout was <laughs> awful. Great for America to win. And, you know, I think it was the, the anniversary of the last time the U.S. women won, the anniversary of the Miracle yeah, on miracle Ice. Ice. Yeah. I mean, all of that is really, really cool. But the way it happens, I've watched World Cup soccer that has ended in that fashion, and every single time I leave unsatisfied. I don't understand it either, Dave. I mean, when you look at the Super Bowl and when you look at NCAA tournament, you know, those games, you play to the, you have a, 
ultimate champion. Who wouldn't want to play until the game is decided? Like, why would you stop play and have a circus come to town? It doesn't make any sense. That's a really silly way to end a really important sporting event. It'd be like ending the Masters if you just, like, dropped the ball in a, in a bunker, like, 15 feet from a hole, and, and you had, like, five tries to, to get it into the, into the cup. Exactly. Yeah. It's a gimmick. Keep playing. If you go to golf and you go to a major, they'll go to extra holes. They'll go to is that whatever a, the playoff is. Is that the is. difference between the world and the USA? I mean, if the United States... If the United States Sports League were doing that, they would never come up with a skills competition to end a championship game. Now, I know it's different in the NHL because the NHL... But there's a regular season regular game. Season I mean, right. essentially, yeah. the regular season in baseball and a hockey and basketball is meaningless. Now, that's not to say you have to make the playoffs, but a lot of teams make the playoffs, and that's all about the playoffs where they have your actual rules, the ones that yeah. actually right. count in place. So, yeah, you can tie an NFL game. You can't tie an NFL playoff game. No. You can go to a shootout in hockey, but both teams get points. It's one of 82 games. It's just not right. that important. Well, even the NFL changes their rules. Exactly. The overtime rules are different, right? Now the important question. Are we going through uh, Shelby on 74 or are we going down to 26 on 85? I, I usually go through Hickory 321 to 40, but oh, either okay. way is yeah. fine. Yeah. Which do you prefer? Yeah. I never considered that. We'll give it a shot. I mean, there are like three different ways there to are, get to yeah. Asheville from Charlotte. And, I mean, within a few minutes, they're about the same. About the, the Shelby same. way you go through Cleveland County there, I've done that well, many already, times. We've already been to the Earl Scruggs Center. That's, that's right. I like going that way if I'm looking for apples because you can find <laughs> apples <laughs> on the side and, of the road right. there. Well, and Henderson's on the way that way. Hendersonville right? is on the way there. Yeah, Hendersonville, yeah. Hendersonville, North Carolina, the Apple Festival yeah. on Labor Day weekend. Maybe my right. favorite non-sporting event of the year. Love the Apple Festival. And if you want to hear more about Dave's apples, go to episode five on the Bearded Carcast. I believe that's the episode. How do you remember what episode? What episode are we on now? This is twelve. And you remember specifically that we talk about apples in episode five. But 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 if you ask me what we talked about in episode three, I couldn't tell you. I, can, I don't know why I just remembered that we. I did can Apple tell you fun. about Andre Jones traveling in the sixth game against uh, <laughs> Reinhardt in yeah. 2006 or something. But but you sure it was I, Reinhardt, not Central Penn? Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It might have been Morris Hill. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go by Morris. So we will go by Asheville. Morris Hill. Yeah. Exciting. Are we going to? What's so? What's our? What's our itinerary once we get to Asheville? What are we doing? Well, the itinerary today. We're leaving early. Yes. So we're going to get to. Well, we we intended to leave at 10 a.m., but it's more like 10:45. But that that was for good reasons, technical. Yeah, I was I was working on a technical uh, fix on something. If if today's car cast sounds better than the previous ones, then that time was well justified. If it sounds worse, right. well, beers are on we, me next time. Yeah, we wasted a half hour. But, but Asheville is one of our favorite cities in the Big South. Yes. It's got kind of everything. It's got culture, and it's got great food, and it's got breweries, which we're unfortunately not going to be able to indulge yes. in because it's the middle of the day and we have work to do tonight. And they have all those fun little eclectic shops. It's just, it's a great, great city. So we're going to get down there early. And we're going to walk around and hang out. It's supposed to be a bright, sunny, beautiful day. Should be great. Um, I'm not sure if we decided, do you want to go to a museum or we'll just do a stand-up from downtown? We'll kind of see what hits us in right. that regard. Now, the, the one thing that I had looked up, uh, there's a uh, like a glass-blowing place. Yep. 
that we could check that out or now I thought that over the summer we would go to Murano Italy and yeah. do glass blowing yeah, there because right. that, that's what they're really known right. for it's kind of the birthplace if you will because um, that could be like the first line of our bearded car cast merchandise. We that's have right. Like our own line of glass. Well, they have uh, glassware. They have House Hunters International. It'll be the bearded car cast international. <laughs> now, I will be interested in what route you choose to drive to Italy. I would probably probably fly to London and then uh, use the channel. Right. And go through France. You know, our good friend... And, and then former, work my way south through the Alps. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Our, our good friend and former colleague, Jack Frost, at Winthrop University, once told me that he and his wife were planning to go to, to Europe. Yeah. And I said, how long was the trip going to be? And he said, you know, 10 days, two weeks. And I said, oh, well, where are you going to go? And my wife and I have been very fortunate. We've traveled abroad a lot. We did our honeymoon in Italy. And we were there for probably 12 or 14 days. He was planning to cover all of Europe wow. in 10 to 14 days, wow. which is... Kind of miraculous. Yeah. Do they have frizzolis and red lobsters? There? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to check on that. We'll, 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 we'll have to. We'll have to check on that. Asheville is a great city, and so many great things to see. Going to be outstanding weather, a fun place. And then I've picked out a restaurant that came on the advice of Winthrop assistant coach Brian Coleman, who grew up in right. Asheville. Remember when we went to Asheville, I think it was last year though, it could have been two years ago, you and I hung out in Asheville for a couple hours yeah. and then we went to West Asheville yes. and we had lunch. And I really liked that place. Coleman has come up with another gem in West Asheville, okay. which is only about a 10 minute drive. And we're gonna go Caribbean cuisine. Oh. All yeah. right. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Now, are you going to... And gonna, that's kind of like the Arts District, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So now, are you going to turn right, get off at the airport here and fly to Italy, or are we going to keep going towards Asheville? No, no, we're going west. Italy west. is east. Okay. Yeah. If I were going east, I would go to the airport. Right. But I'm going west, so I'm going to drive the car. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. I, I like the plan. Right. Yeah. I like the plan. Um, and the game for Winthrop tonight, it has so much meaning. It's it's a de facto championship game. And I was on the air this morning with my good friend Damon Amendolara yeah. at CBS Sports Radio. And in addition to talking about curling, which consumed most oh, of our absolutely. conversation, yeah. which, which is justifiable. I mean, that, course, that's yeah. the big happening thing yes. going on, yeah. not only in sports, but in society, right. in the entire right. world. That That's the big news right now. But um, we talked briefly about the Winthrop game tonight, yeah. and specifically, he loves the format that the number one seed hosts the conference tournament. Yes. Because as opposed to a neutral site where if the home team isn't playing or a team nearby isn't playing, you can be playing this game of incredible meaning in front of a very small and, and kind of uninterested crowd. And it gives an unfair advantage to the, to the team hosting if, if it's on a... Uh, so, in other words, what, what the Big South used to do is they had the tournament in Myrtle Beach, and it was on the campus of Coastal Carolina, which was in the tournament at that time. They won back-to-back -back championships, and they weren't the number one seed. Right. So, I think what, what the process here is to try to give the best team the best opportunity to win and help their RPI and, and get them better seating in the tournament. This format works for a variety of reasons. First, you have to make the regular season meaningful. Right. If you're going to a neutral site, then 
what was the point of the exercise in a one-bid league? Now, if you're in the ACC, right. yeah, you're going to a neutral site, and the tournament doesn't matter that much, but during the regular season, you're earning your stripes, your credentials to make the NCAA tournament. In a one-bid league like the Big South and like half the leagues in the country, two-thirds of the leagues in the country, the tournament is going to produce the only NCAA tournament berth. So in order to make the regular season meaningful, there are only a few ways you can do it. Either it's like double buys are available or you host the league tournament or something along those lines. And by hosting, obviously you have a huge advantage I think that's so cool. I just, I just, I love that every regular season game means something. And the thing is, it's not just to the teams competing to win yeah. the regular season championship. The top six teams in the Big South get a bye. The bottom four have to play in. So everybody in the middle of the pack right now is scrambling to make sure they win games at the end of the year to avoid trying to play four games during a week rather than three. And even though the first two games of the tournament will be on home sites, you still don't want to be in that position. Right. There's a play-in day on Thursday, or on Tuesday, I should say, where the nine seed goes to the eight seed, the ten seed travels to the seven seed. And then the winners of those games advance to the bracket of eight teams that's played at the site of the number one overall seed. So there are a lot of people playing for a lot of things. Even at the very bottom of the standings, you're playing to host that game on Tuesday rather than to go on the road. It's a very reasonable format. It's really interesting in college basketball this year. The formats and the tournaments are spaced out a little bit different than normal because the Big Ten tournament is next week at Madison Square Garden. So normally you have the little conference tournaments in week one, and then the big conference, the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, in that second week. But because Madison Square Garden was already booked up for the Big East tournament in two weeks, the Big Ten said, we'll take MSG, we'll play a week early. So they've had to change their entire regular season schedule to get enough games in to make sure, Mike, no one is talking about this. I think the Big Ten has hit a grand slam because next week, as much as you and I are going to be engaged in the Big South tournament, the average fan is going to say, all right, do I want to watch Wofford play East Tennessee State or would I prefer to watch... Maryland take on Purdue and teams are going to want to people are going to want to see Tom Izzo the familiar names the familiar programs whereas the second week of championship week it's so much competition like oh am I going to watch the Pac-12 game the ACC game the SEC game Kentucky's on Kansas is on if you're in your own window, I think the ratings for the Big Ten tournament are going to be enormous. And then the the backside of it is people say, yeah, but whoever whoever wins or doesn't win, it doesn't matter. Then they're going to have like a week and a yeah. half off before they start the NCAA tournament. I dispute that that's a problem in two different ways. First... The teams that typically win the conference tournaments, that they've played four games in four days or in five days, a lot of those teams are finished for the NCAA tournament because they've thrown their best shot. Like, they've thrown their best punch. They don't have a lot left 
overcome the tournament. You've exerted a ton of energy, and then just a few days later, you're traveling and having to yeah. play in an NCAA tournament game. I'd much rather, ask Bill Belichick, I'd much <laughs> rather have that buy. The second thing is, and it's not gonna happen this year, but it will happen in the future. We're gonna see down the line, a couple of conference tournaments, big tournaments, go the first week or bridge the weekend and go into the second weekend. And then what you can do is, you can, if you're a bubble team, instead of playing your full allotment of games before the conference tournament, instead of playing one menial out of conference game, you can hold the game back. And then if you need RPI points, you can then schedule a game after the conference tournament. We talked about We've been talking this, about that for years. Right, and St. Mary's did it probably yeah. 10 years ago because the WCC tournament ended early. They need to help themselves in the RPI, and they found an opponent that they could play. But you got to find somebody who will dance with you. Right, but if the Big Ten tournament this year is an example, at the end of it, somebody, I don't know what team it's going to be yet, somebody is going to be left on the bubble. Right, right. So like, but no, now, you're, now you're potentially taking a spot away from a, a higher mid-major. But, but that that's not a problem for whoever the team is. Let's say the ACC tournament was this year before the right. final week. Let's say it was the ACC and not the Big Ten tournament. Notre Dame is in a really precarious situation. Bonzi Colston has been out most of the year. They've had several injuries. They had great wins at the beginning of the year that makes their resume look good, but they've really struggled in the ACC mm. with injuries. If Mike Bray could go into the NCAA or go into the ACC tournament and he says that they're going to be healthy in the ACC, but they're just working guys back in. Let's say they win one game, then lose their next. They win two games and then lose a game, and they're still like firmly right on the bubble. Notre Dame then calls up somebody else on the bubble whose season is complete. Yeah. They have a game left and say, hey, let's make this happen, whoever that team on the bubble is. And those two teams play essentially a play-in game to get into the NCAA tournament. Why wouldn't you want to have that flexibility and strategy available? But let me take the mid-major case here. And not, not against that, but for the big souths of the world the teams are playing in this first week having the big 10 play kind of steals their thunder a little bit absolutely but the power conferences always eat the non-power conferences I, I i'm not advocating that this is a good thing for the socon and the big south right. and all the little conferences to play first but i think it's a great thing for the big 10 and i think it's the future of this now i don't think it's a problem if it's just one but if you start to have two then I think it starts to well. Th what you maybe may water down the big the, the but the, the smaller small conferences small can encounter if two or three of the big conferences move earlier, then the Big South can move later if they want to. I mean, you can adjust. You can always play your games at different times. I mean, we see like the uh, the Metro Atlantic Conference plays Friday and Sunday. Right. Right. Now. I don't know how many people are watching their games, but they have games on TV on Friday night because there's not a lot of competition. You can always play your game at 11 a.m. Eastern time, or you can play your game at 11 p.m. Pacific time and have your window. Our good buddy Richie Schuler yeah. broadcasts Big West games. A lot of times those Big West games are on at the same time as, you know, Olympic hockey from South Korea <laughs> or curling in the yeah. middle of the night. Right. But you can get a TV window by doing that. So you can do things if you think ahead and are a little bit creative. 
And fantastic finishes will find their way on TV or on the internet. Right, and that's the thing. Particularly in our social media world, yeah. you can watch something crazy that happened like hours later when you right. wake up because it, it's right there on your computer, on your phone. I'm just going back to when Winthrop played in that real early round game and Andre Smith had yep. that big shot. And that game was a noon game. Right. It was a, it was a Tuesday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first... It was the first conference tournament game in the country. Yeah. That that's valuable too. That's something the Big South has given up by changing yeah. tournament formats. If you play the first, the first of almost anything, our athletic director at Winthrop, Ken Halpin, was at Eastern Washington. A few years ago, they played the first football and the first basketball game in the country. I had never watched or listened <laughs> to an Eastern Washington right. basketball game before. Right. And I was like, wait a second, they're starting a game at 10 a.m. or whatever it is, the first day of college basketball season? I'm in on this. And then you're listening to it or you're watching it and you're tweeting about it or you're posting about right, it on Facebook right. and you get a lot of pub out of that. Like, that's kind of the innovative yeah, the that, world yeah. that we live in. Remember Winthrop, the Big South used to have the first yep. conference championship yep. game. Yep. You would get a lot of pop out of that. Yep. And you still get a lot of pop out of playing the first weekend because every time they put up the graphic, teams in the tournament, your team's name and your yep. conference's name is up there. Yep. So there's a lot of strategy on how that stuff works. Hope you're enjoying the Bearded Car Cast. You can always get involved. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. Although I don't think we've checked the email in a few days. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, email us and maybe yeah, we'll look at it. Maybe we'll look at it. But you can also use the hashtag Bearded Carcast. And we're at Bearded Carcast on Twitter. Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman in front of a live studio audience. I'm about to kill these people, by the way. Don't put that on the cast. Is it, was it a robocall? Yeah. How annoying is that? Well, no, but it's not going through my phone. It's going through our Volvo on call. But they called your phone and then it went. No, no, no! It didn't go to my phone. It just goes right to there. I gotta call them because that's that's screwed up. The, those calls are coming more and more. Those like yeah. nonsense, trying to sell you something, or not even anyone yeah. on the other line. And, and the worst is it interrupted our bearded car cast. I I feel like it's a lawsuit. It is a lawsuit. I think we should be able to sue. For this that. is an outrage. This is outrageous. Let us know if you're outraged too at Bearded Carcast. Bearded Carcast. What do you think the proper punishment for a robocaller interrupting the Bearded Carcast is? This is what it should be. No, not a hanging. They should be forced to sit in a room with a call box. And just at random times throughout the day, it just thing just like blasts like a siren at them. I like that. And I think while that happens, Brett Redden should be able to shoot them with, <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a Nerf gun. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, I'm glad we've decided. We've, that. Now we've, we've got that solved. I tell you what's not funny for people in Louisville, though, is the uh, recent uh, demantling of their 2013 national championship. Kind of ironic. In 2012, Kentucky won the national championship, and the joke in Louisville was, well, I hope they Velcro up that championship <laughs> banner at Rupp Arena because yeah. you know with John Calipari, that thing's coming down. Ooh, a little too close for comfort. I think what's interesting, though, is with everything that's gone on with Rick Pitino, and I understand that you know, you're innocent until proven guilty, but with all the swirl going around 
How does he have the gall to sit there and say, oh, I haven't done anything wrong. I've run a clean program. You know, I admire Louisville, and I have for a long time. Because, let's be honest about it, college sports are a mess yeah. and a joke. People don't abide by the rules, and people in every way possible kind of go about things in the shadiest way, and it's all about winning. Louisville's athletic department stood up and they said, we don't care. We're hiring Bobby Petrino and Rick Petino. We're building an NBA arena. We're selling booze at the games. This is all about revenue and about winning. And I believe their response to the NCAA should be, nope, we're not taking it down. You climb up in the rafters and you take it down. We're not doing it. I don't think they should have fired Rick Pitino. And I don't think they should take the banner down because they're not really an NCAA team. For them, after years and years of hiring people who win games and do things on the margins and basically admitting we are a for-profit entity, their athletic department has been tremendous, unbelievably successful, great facilities. And, and, you know, I don't think they've pretended that, you know, they're this incredibly moral school right. with amazing values. All of their actions suggest that's not the case. But if you want to be in the NCAA, you have to follow in certain guidelines. And doing the stuff that they did falls outside Disagree. of Disagree. It's the UN. They have no power. Come and show me. Do it. I mean, the only actual punishment that works is the death penalty. We're yeah. shutting you down. Well, when's the last time the NCAA was willing to do that? I mean, SMU? that's what needs right. to happen. Either but there needs you, to be a governing body over college athletics. Of course there does. And people and it have, has to have teeth. Exactly. But there isn't. I mean, you either have to go all in, shut it down. This is a debacle in a million different ways. You have skirted the rules. You have flirted with the rules. You have known the rules and looked them in the eyes and then gone past them. <laughs> so shut it down. Taking down a banner... What does that do? We all watch the game. We right. know who it, it won happened. the championship. Right. Right. What, what right. good and is that? And those players are still going to say, we won the championship. Right. Or take away scholarships now, ban them from postseason play now. Now you're punishing players that weren't involved right. in right. the crime. Right. I mean, they did something wrong, and now they are being punished retroactively and those are the rules so you follow the rules and that's what should be done but if you actually want your rules to be followed there has to be a lot more teeth to them shut it down but it also goes to a bigger bigger problem i did a blog post on this a couple years ago about oh the pacheco papers the pacheco papers Love yes, the yes pacheco in, in hiatus papers. right now but you can go and check it out mikepacheco.com and you can find the blog there but just talking about in integrity in sports and winning the right way and it seems like the more years we pile on moving forward, the less and less integrity in sports matters. Or when you look at a situation in college, and just just what's going on in college basketball and the, with the recruiting stuff that's you know that scandal and the monies and the agents being paid. You know, this is college. You, you you're teaching these kids to, to go into the real world, and integrity has to be part of what you're teaching them. But when you do all this shady stuff, you're not reinforcing all the good stuff. You're, you're it all goes okay to back to paying and, and players. Yeah. If you're not paying the labor force, 
someone else is going to right. find yeah. a way to pay them. So the system is broken and no one is paying attention to the rules in the system. No one is enforcing the rules in the system. But you know, Pete Thamel's a friend of mine. Yes. And, and Pete came and wrote a great article on Winthrop when he was working for the New York Times 10, 12 years ago. Right. I texted Pete the other night and I'm not gonna pry him for information. He's working a story, he's working a yeah. beat, he's doing terrific work. And I said, great work. I love the kicker on the story. It was the one with the quote that said, the way things are going, Tennessee Chattanooga might be a number two seed in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Yeah. I love that. And I said, I think this could be a good thing. Because the uglier it gets and the worse right. it looks, the more likely we get change. a legitimate change. A complete change. A tear it down and start it over sort of change. Because while I love March Madness and I'm going to watch approximately every single game and every single minute of it, to have it done the right way, to have it done with integrity, to have the students in mind, to fix the problem, it's really easy to put band-aids on things. Right. It's really hard to actually fix problems. If your son has something going on in his life and you punt it, and you go, I don't really want to address this. We'll figure it out down the line. It's going to percolate again. No, I just again. say, you ask your mother. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to percolate again. Yeah. You're going to deal with that issue again. And it just continues. And it might get worse because you didn't address it the first right, time. Right. But if you recognize the problem, if you dedicate yourself to fixing the problem, you might have to back up 10 steps or 20 steps or a year or two. But if you if you address it and you deal with it, you come out a better person on the other end. The, the NCAA has enormous problems. So get to it. Get the smartest people, the highest paid people involved and do it right. And everyone's got to buy in. And if Louisville doesn't buy in, they're not a part of this deal anymore. Now, is that going to take an incredible amount of effort? Yeah, it is. What, what's going to happen is there are going to be those that buy in and there are those that aren't. And the people that aren't are going to be numerous. And the people that aren't are going to be able to form their own organization. And they're going to be called the not college sports. Yeah. Because the college part of it doesn't the matter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, the integrity doesn't matter. As the, if, we have, if like, we don't have enough initials in the... Uh... Right. But like... Like what LeVar Ball is doing oh, gosh, with the yeah. guys in Lithuania. Like, it's reasonable to think that there can be not just individual players, but entire institutions that say, we're going to pay our players and we're going to operate this as a job and our kids don't have to go to school and this is a minor league for the NBA or the NFL. That's fine. There's room for that. But for those that actually believe in the collegiate model, right. for those that believe in giving a scholarship and getting an education and playing sports as, you know, more than an extracurricular activity, but less than a full-time job, there's room for that too. I don't know if I like the idea of not having an association with the school other than being paid. I mean, there, and maybe it's just the nostalgia of it, of, of, of how 
it, it was formed, where, where sports was part of the, the school experience, and now you're just essentially just hiring. It, 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 essentially, you're just hiring a sports team. Right, but what's the alternative? The alternative is that money's going to seep in either through cracks or you're going to do I'm, above board. No, but what I'm saying is I, I think there's room for both where you can still be a student and they should still have some totally agree. on top of that. I, I, I think that's that, what I think the model I, should be. I think that's very possible. I, I don't think it should be you have no association acad- academically. You're just there to play sports. That that that, I, that doesn't seem right to me. I, I I think in an ideal world you're 100 percent right, and I think it's very possible that that could come to fruition. But I think we have to be willing to recognize not everyone is meant to go to college, and not every school gives a hoot about academics, even though they talk about it that way. But I think you should also come up with a a curriculum that is geared towards students that maybe aren't there to learn but giving them life skills couldn't agree more I, I i think guys that are going to be one and dones and go to the nba are i don't know that it's more valuable but it is as valuable and more applicable for them to take classes where they learn how to balance their checkbook right. and they learn who the positive influences in their life and who the trustworthy people are and who aren't as opposed to taking um, an entry level history course which I believe is very valuable right. but they might get more out of that course where they kind of learn the life skills you're speaking of. I mean don't go out to a fast food restaurant every day. It's more expensive to hire a personal chef or a dietitian, right. but that's going to help you in your career, which is playing sports. And, and this is going to sound strange, but why not also tailor it to the interests of what kids are into now? Like, do some sort of like, you know, maybe it's like a computer science type class, but incorporates maybe esports. I mean, just something that gives them another skill to fall back on that has real-world experience. A hundred percent. I am interested in sports. I am interested in journalism. I am interested in political science and history. So what did I take in college? Sports journalism, radio, (laughs) TV, history, political science. I mean, they should be able to have a curriculum tailored to the things that are interesting to them as well. I I mean, absolutely. But I don't know if that is such a dramatic change right. from what we currently have. It, it feels like it's a long-term project, a worthwhile one, but there's certainly a whole lot of people that aren't going to have the patience for that. But the whole point of higher education is to educate the mind of the students, and you hope it's in an area that, that they have interest in. So if you can tailor things that are interesting to kids, I mean, it takes, it's going to take a lot of work. I would be interested to see if there is a model of doing some sort of having like a vocational part of the school too, where maybe you're teaching kids, you know, to be electricians or, you know, because not every, especially for football, like not every player is going to be a stockbroker when they graduate or, and, and certainly not, you know, what, maybe two, well, three, four percent are going to make it to a pro league. I mean, the goals, afterwards. the goals of college are different for different people. For some people, it's being exposed to different cultures. For some people, yeah. it's learning a wide range of liberal arts things. Right. But for some people, it's getting like a job. Like cake stands, beer pong. Right, yeah, 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 exactly. But for some people, it's getting a job. Yeah. So what you just said, that maybe someone gets an opportunity to go to college, but they're not a good enough 
athlete to be a professional football player, basketball player, whatever it is, baseball player, and they're also not the academic that is going to then go on to get their masters, or maybe it would be more applicable to learn a skill that they can go to college, play sports, and get, like you say, that vocational right. education, and then get a job. All right, so we solved that. What's next? Yeah, exactly. We, we, we've solved the world's problem, so, you know, we're eight miles from Hickory. <laughs> that should be the name of the podcast. Eight miles from Hickory. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you live in Hickory, you're probably a Carolina Panthers fan. Since yes. They are the team in this area. And we've talked on the CarCast before. Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Follow us on social media at beardedcarcast. But if you're a Panthers fan, there's been a lot of uncertainty over the last month or two since the team was eliminated from the playoffs. We've talked a lot about ownership. Right. And now... Marty Herney, the former general manager, the interim general manager, has been hired as the general manager again. And a guy you and I like because I love when journalists get a yeah, chance. And Marty's a former a former writer, but what's your thought on him reassuming this role? And we really don't know for how long because, right. again, ownership is going to change at some point in the near future. Right, and that's, that's kind of the cloud hanging over the future of a lot of people with the team not knowing you know there's uncertainty of course whenever every time there's uh, change in ownership and things like that you know maybe the new owner wants to bring in his own group of people but Marty Herney this move I think Dave is it's very good because I think it kind of solidifies the franchise right now you need to have that presence going into the draft because the sale most likely is not going to be closed you would think it would not be closed by the time the draft happens now a lot can happen in the next you know what five six weeks eight weeks so you have to have that, you know, to solidify that going into next season. You still have to act like you're ready to go for next season. Do now, we know what sort of contract he signed? I did not see any details. Like, no. it seems to me they had to keep him because to hire a new general manager now, right before the draft, right, right. that doesn't make no, any sense. He's been in-house, right. he's building. Right. But if the new owner comes in and wants to change, I guess the position just doesn't pay that much. So the, if if you end up buying Marty Herney out for a year or two, whatever, that that's just well, cost it's all business. relative. I mean, for you right, and you me, what billion, Marty's getting paid, it's a lot of money. Right, but you, you but, pay billions of dollars right, right, for the team. Right. If you want to blow right. out a guy making right. I mean, like two, three million, you know, that, that's that's peanuts to a guy that's a billion. Right. Do, does it? What does an NFL general manager make? I think it probably ranges from around a million a year, probably in the low end to. Well, it depends. Maybe I, five, I, six million? I'm I, not really sure. I honestly didn't even know if it was a million. I thought it could be half a million. No, I, I, I had no believe, idea. I got to believe, believe an NFL general manager's got to be making a million dollars a year. A minimum. I mean, it's an incredibly important position, and you want the best, and you should be very well compensated But it's one of those job. deals where it's, you know, you can't have, in my opinion, you, you can't have a guy that's making half a million dollars making all these giant decisions, giving contracts away, $100 million contracts. I mean, there's still that... You still have to have that kind of that respect factor. That's why coaches get paid so much money. Yep. No, I I, I agree. I just didn't know what yeah. they actually made. But let, let's say Marty's making a million and a half. Let's say he signs a four-year contract. You just spend $2 billion for the team. 
you spend an extra five million dollars. But there's also of, nothing wrong with having, especially a guy like Marty Herney, having that guy bridge between the old and the new. Yep. And you know Marty takes a lot of heat for some of the contracts, particularly with the Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. You know, right around the time of the lockout. But when you look at the success that he had, I mean, he led the team. He was the guy that put together the team that went to their first Super Bowl. You can make the argument that when they went to their second Super Bowl, even though Dave Gettleman was the general manager, a lot of the pieces in place were already signed or drafted by Marty Herney. Marty Herney was the one that drafted Cam Newton. He's the one that drafted Luke Kuechly. You know, he has a lot of respect in in the NFL circles. You know, I think he's overall he's done a very good job. Now, has he handed out bad contracts? What GM has not handed out bad contracts? Yeah, it's I, part, I it's part of doing business. Yeah, I, I mean. In a job where you're making a lot of moves, you're constantly adjusting, signing, uh, releasing people, long-term contracts, short-term contracts, guys on IR, guys on the practice squad. You, you can't bat a thousand. I mean, it just it doesn't work that. Way. And you're not going to draft, you know, the, the guys you draft and the guys you sign. It's right. it's not always going to be peaches. I mean, sometimes you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes you're going to get a, get a guy like Captain Munnerland, who's a good draft pick late late in the draft. I mean, right. And, and Jimmy Cawson is a guy that follows Marty, but he quickly recognized he made a mistake and moved on and drafted Cam Newton. I mean, that's a big part of being a general manager. You are not going to hit 100%. And when you do make an error, you have to be willing to admit that error. Because if Jimmy Clausen was the quarterback the last eight years, you're the Browns. And I think Marty also learned a lot in his, what, three, four years, four years out. Um, I think he had time to reflect. You know, a lot of times you go from job to job, you don't have a lot of time to really dwell on the past. I think he had a lot of time to figure out what, what he felt worked right, what didn't. And, and I think that'll help him in the future if he's the long-term answer with whoever the new owner is. It's off-topic but related. Did you read the ESPN article that Tom Crean, or maybe it was SI, I think it was an SI article, that Tom Crean, the former Indiana, former Marquette coach, penned yesterday? I did not see that yet, no. He talked about being out of the game. He's right. been coaching for his entire life. And it's a very long article. I highly, highly recommend it. He talks about what he's done since he got fired. Yeah. And what he's done is he's gone on a pilgrimage to watch different coaches and different general managers. One of the things he did was he had a friend with the Chargers and he sat and watched them discuss defensive prospects before last year's yeah. draft. Another thing he did was he went to a 76ers practice at the end of what was a very bad year, a year where they lost 50 games and another thing he did was he went and visited with Bill Belichick before a joint scrimmage practice I think with the Houston Texans if I'm not mistaken and he married Jim and John Harbaugh's yes. sister so he followed them around and he just spent a lot of time talking to people and watching and you know you won't know until he gets his next coaching job how it has changed him and what the results will look like but what Marty did in that time off very easily, like you suggested, gave him a chance to reflect and right. rethink and look at things kind of from a, a different prism, take a step back. And yeah, I, I think that is valuable. We don't know if he's going to be successful or unsuccessful in the second go round, but his credentials previously indicate that he was pretty good at what he did. 
there's no real reason to believe that he lost that skill. And maybe with a little time off, he learned something as well. Dave, we're now three miles from Hickory as we make our way to Asheville and a close to another successful and hopefully entertaining bearded car cast. That's right. We've got an exciting day in Asheville, a huge basketball game tonight, and the next time you hear us on the bearded car cast, it is going to be my favorite time of year, March Madness. And I expect that we are going to break it down. We are going to talk conferences. We're going to talk players. We're going to talk brackets. We are efforting a guest yes. for next week, a, a fairly high-profile yes. college basketball expert. If you would like to hear something on the Bearded Carcast, please reach out to us. What have you liked? What have you not liked? What would you like to hear in the future? Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Bearded Carcast. Use the hashtag Bearded Carcast. And thanks for listening to another edition of the Bearded Carcast taped in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> like cheers. Yeah. <laughs>